Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Embrace your place. And we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And we're going to have it up on the slides, but if you have your Bible, open your Bible. It's good to open the Word of God, okay? It's good to open the Bible. It's good to tap to the Bible app and 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. When you have it, say amen. So we're going to read. Uh, I was trying to decide. Uh, maybe I'll just pick one verse. But I decided if we're going to read a few verses, okay? So it's going to be about 14 verses. So bear with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The word of God says, Just as a body through one has many parts, but all its many par- parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Everyone say one body. body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Everyone say one spirit. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. But if the foot should say, now imagine this, that the foot is talking to the hand or something, okay? Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. Everyone say one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Because if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And the last verse, verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. Let's pray. Father, 
We come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your word that speaks into our lives, that speaks into our hearts. And I just ask you today, God, that, that today be no different. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We want to receive your word. We want to receive uh, the message that you have for us today. I ask you, Lord, speak to my heart. I need this message as well, and I ask you to speak to my brother and my sister. Lord, I just ask you to speak into our needs and speak into our lives, God. And as we move forward, God, that we can just continue worshiping your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Is there not peace when everything is in place? Okay, when, when you get home and, and you arrive to a house that's clean, you arrive to a house where the shoes are all put away where they belong, where the laundry is where it belongs, the dirty clothes is in the hamper, uh, the clothes that was washed has already been folded and put away, it's been hung up, it's been put in a drawer where it belongs. When you get there in the kitchen, the sink is nice and clean, there's no dirty dishes in the sink, and then you happen to use a, uh, something, right, and you, and you wash it, and then you decide, you know what, I'm going to stick it in the dishwasher, you open the dishwasher, and how glorious is it when the dishwasher is empty? It's amazing. It's like a gift from God that there's nothing to empty. And, and it's, there's a peace. There's an inner peace within us when the, everything is in its place. Now, I will be honest with you. There's been times in my life and in my family's life that things are not where they belong. Okay? Um, my wife and I, we've had some amazing bonding moments looking for lost keys. Especially about five minutes before we have to leave. And we, I mean, our marriage is edified. Our marriage should grow stronger through the things that happen. Amen. I don't think I'm the only one, okay? I think that we've all been there. We're losing our heads. We are losing our cool because we can't find our keys. And we're going to be late to work. We, we can't find our wallet and the car needs gas. I need my driver's license. I can't just take off like that. When things are not in place, there's a sense of, of chaos. There's a sense of things just not working the way they need to work. See, we just read a long passage. Uh, it was a mouthful. But I hope you got the gist of what Paul was saying. And in verse 18, Paul says that, in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Right? When you, there's a few of us here that moved recently. There's a few of us that are about to move. And isn't it interesting that one of the first things when you move to a new place, what are you trying to do? You're trying to find a home for everything that you have. Some things you find a drawer where it belongs. Some things end up in the trash. But you got to find a place for everything. You got to find a place for your, uh, for your keys. You got to find a place for your clothes. You got to find a place for that knickknack that you bought that you don't need, that thing that you ordered through Amazon that you really didn't need, and now you don't really have a place, and you got to find the place before your spouse gets upset. Amen? So everything has a place, and the Word of God says that God also placed every part of the body exactly where he Wanted, to, wanted it to be. So as I said, when there, things are out of place, there's chaos. 
And if, you, if you're going to uh, write something down, I really want you to write this down or, or, or take a note of this, okay? When your place is not secure, your life is not secure. And you can make it personal. You can even say, when my place is not secure, my life is not secure. Is this not true? When you go to bed... And now we're going to expand this place, right? Your place, your home. You, you make sure that your place, your home, before you go to bed, you make sure all the doors are locked. You make sure that things are in order because you're going to sleep and you don't want any surprises in the middle of the night. You don't want someone, uh, like the other day I got to the apartment, I was a little hurried again and I, I was on the phone and I was a little tired going up the stairs. I didn't realize uh, what I was kind of doing and I, I walk up and I had my hands full. I didn't want to pull the keys out and I start knocking on the door and, and they wouldn't open up and I keep knocking and they wouldn't open up. I grabbed this, this little metal thing and I start knocking harder. I think I sound like the FBI, and then I, I called. I said, hey, I'm knocking, open the door. No, you're not knocking. Then I look up, and I see I'm at the wrong apartment. <laughs> and I immediately realized my mistake, and I'm like, and then as I'm realizing my mistake, the door starts opening. I'm like, you know, the Southwest Airlines commercials want to get away. <laughs> and this little, uh, young, this young lady, small young lady, cracks the door open, I said, you know what, I'm so sorry. I thought I was on the third floor. I'm on the second floor. I am so sorry. She's like, you scared me. <laughs> when you place me, and I, when I walked, I walked up trying to see if it was open. And when your place is not secure, your life is not secure. Is this not true? Just even in our general lives, we go through life trying to find our place. Trying to find where we belong. Trying to find uh, what our purpose is in life. And for whatever reason, we're, we, we can't find it. We, we can't fit in somewhere. And we, we feel unsecure about where we stand. You guys know this. You felt this when you start your, fir your first day on the new job, Right? You're unsure. You're not sure whether you can just go and do what you got to do. You don't know where everything's located. You're very unsecure. See, but the problem is that many of us go through a long time in our lives living without knowing where our place is. And we're confused and we, we allow any wind in the air to blow us to the left, to the right, to the north, to the south. And we go with the winds, we go with the currents. And this is very dangerous because as society is progressing and as society is being postmodern, the society tells us and tries to dictate what type of life we should live. And if we don't know what our place is, we can be very insecure. To the point that if you don't take care of your home, you know, I don't know if you've ever had somebody break into your house while you're still there. Thank God I haven't experienced it, but I've experienced a break-in when we weren't there, and it was the most eeriest feeling. We couldn't sleep for the next few days. We, they went in and they threw all the cabinets out and they threw everything on the floor. They turned over mattresses. They took our computers. They did everything. And my parents and we, we just were uncomfortable in our own place because there wasn't that security that needed to be there. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened, how they got in. 
didn't help that we lived in the hood, but that's where we lived. And when your place is not secure, your life is not secure. This is true physically. This is true spiritually. But the Bible tells us that you and I, we have a place in Christ. We have a place in Jesus. Verse 13, verse 14 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what, uh, what uh, position in society you hold, what socioeconomic status that you have. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter when you are in Christ, you come together and you form only one body. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, even though we're one, we're made up of many. And the truth is that, as Paul says here as he's writing, that we all belong to the same body, means that we're all connected. We are all connected in Christ. That when one suffers, we all suffer. When one suffers, one in our body, we all suffer. Back in 2003, my wife and I, we were on our way to a funeral, and, and we, we had a terrible car accident on 635. We were going towards Mesquite, and, and we, we were coming up to 30, and on 635, there was a car that lost control, and they veered on crossways on the, on the road, and we hit them, we T-boned them on 635, going 65 miles an hour. Uh, the re police report from the witnesses' account say that our car rolled four times, and it was just my wife and I in the car. And one day, I'll, I'll go more into detail about that, but the point was that after we were done, and after we were, the initial shock was, was worn off, uh, I immediately knew that something within my body was not right. Because when one part suffers, the whole body knows it. And I knew I didn't even need to look down. I didn't even need to take my shoe off. I didn't need to take my sock off. I knew there was something wrong in my ankle. Even though I wasn't bleeding anywhere, even though there was nothing uh, within me that was, uh, uh, that I felt okay, uh, I didn't really feel a lot of pain, I didn't feel anything, but I knew, I knew, I knew something was wrong. Later on, we, we were rushed to the hospital, they took x-rays, they did a CT scan, and we found out that I had a broken talus. So for you that maybe haven't taken anatomy, I want to show you what a talus looks like. It's right there. Now, by itself, you might be thinking, well, what is, what is that? If it didn't have the word talus on it, you look at it, you're like, maybe somebody's rotted out tooth. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> a corn nugget. But that's a talus. In of it itself, it doesn't seem like it's anything special. It doesn't seem like there's much purpose if you're walking around and you, bear, come on, just come with me, okay? You find a talus laying around, you kick it. There's nothing special about a talus. That's what it looks like. But when you put it together with some other parts, go ahead, go to the next one. Oh, you realize, wait, that's an important part. 
there's something important about the talus because that looks like that's where the leg sits on it. So when you take a step, all the weight goes on the talus, even though it's very unassuming, it's very unattractive. Doesn't seem to be more than just a little rock or something. It looks like it serves some sort of purpose. But there's an interesting thing that happens. That as you go more towards the layers in the body, go ahead, brother. Now, you start realizing that it's a little harder to see the talus. Okay, looking at that picture, I can see the other one. Okay, I think I see where it's at. But now there's other things that are covering it. Next one. Oh, well, now definitely I can't see it. But, but it's there. It's there. And it serves a function. It serves a purpose. Go ahead. There's no way to see it there. See, even though I could look down and I could look at my foot, I could not see the broken talus. I knew something was wrong. This very unassuming bone, this very unattractive part of my body, it, it was just there and something was wrong with it. And I had never ever thought about my, I didn't, I've never woke up in my life and said, I wonder how my talus is doing. Never. Never gave it a second thought. But on that day, my talus mattered a lot. It mattered. Because when one suffers, we all suffer. And this little, little thing that we call a talus, even though everything else was intact, even though I knew I was going to live, even though I knew that eventually it would heal, everything in my life was affected because of this. My mobility, I couldn't walk. And because my mobility was affected, I was laid off of work. They protected it for 12 weeks because that's by law, the FMLA laws. But as soon as the 12 weeks were up, I still couldn't go back to work. And they said, sorry, Daniel, thank you for working here for three years, but goodbye. Reapply when you're ready. My ability to perform certain functions, just to, to bathe and to go to the restroom, to brush my teeth, and just to be able to have stability, it was affecting my ability to, 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 to just be with my kids without being worried about them stepping on me or tripping over my leg. When one thinks, when one part suffers, all of our body suffers. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. When one suffers, we all suffer. When our brother in Christ suffers, we suffer. When our sister goes through a difficult loss, when our sister's going through a, a difficult sickness, when uh, there is a separation of a loved one in, in one of our families, there is a suffering that not just happens in their individual life, but we as a church, because we form one body in Christ, we all suffer and we all feel this. This is small. But it sure did cause a lot of pain and inconvenience in my life. One body part that no one could see. One body part that no one ever thought of. Caused me to put my life on hold for almost one year. We devalue these parts we cannot see. But when they're not in place, they cause us to suffer. Isn't that not true in our lives? 
Sometimes the smallest things that we, we don't give any thought to it. We, we just don't, don't even think about it. The moment that something is off, that's when we start putting a little value on it. And you have to understand, church, that every single person in here is an important part of the church. Because even though I didn't value necessarily my talus until that day that I broke it, I'm going to tell you that my talus was an important part of my life before I even broke it. And here at church, there may be very many unseen parts you don't know the person that set up the coffee for you, to, for you to enjoy it today. You don't know the people that have been praying for you that you don't know. You don't know how much work and effort it goes into, into being ready for a, a, a Saturday service or a Sunday service. There are many unseen people or unseen parts, many things that happen for the body of Christ to be able to come together as one to worship our God. Someone prayed for today's service. Someone prayed for each person that is here today. Someone set up that welcome table that when you walk in, you feel, wow, it looks so nice, it looks so pretty. And even though you don't think about it, the one day that we don't set it up, you'll be like, what happened? Why are they slacking off at church? Someone created the graphic you're seeing on the screen. Verse 22 says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Everything in our lives, in our body is important. Everything within the church is important. And it's interesting because as I was going through the healing process, this is, a, this is the one thing that I, I kind of knew but it really hit home, is that displacement causes us to compensate. Okay? Displacement causes us to compensate. So after I had the surgery, I had to have surgery to fix the talus. I was going to take a quick x-ray at work and show you the two great big screws I have in my ankle. I didn't have time to do that. But I have two screws. After they put drilled in the two screws, I have big old uh, scars on both sides of my ankle. After all that, I, I had to be put into a brace. And then after the swelling went down, they took that off. They put a cast for a few weeks. And then after a few weeks, they take the cast off and they put a boot. And what happened is that because I couldn't use my leg because it was even though it was just a talus, my toes were fine, the rest of my foot was fine, uh, my, my tip fib was fine, my knee was fine. What happened was because the talus couldn't support any weight, I was in a boot. They call it a walking boot, but I still couldn't walk, and I was using crutches. So what was happening? My arms had to compensate for the loss of my ability, my loss of my foot. I couldn't use it. My left leg was doing a little bit more work because I was hopping on it. Displacement causes us to compensate for things in our lives. But my left side of my body could not do, the right side had to make up for it. It just had to. I couldn't move as fast. It, it affected me. And when you and I here at church... When you see needs, when you see things that are happening around us, and you see uh, the difficulties that our brothers and sisters are going through, and we, we sit back and we just watch, and, and yeah, we feel bad for them, but we don't necessarily uh, do anything, you know. Uh, there's other people that have to come around and they have to serve more. They have to bear more in the church, and there wouldn't be any burnout at church because People burn out coming to church. Even pastors burn out. 
Even musicians burn out. When there's no other people at the church, when you come and we're all a part of the same body and we don't lift each other up, we don't encourage each other, we don't exhort each other, there's burnout. There's discouragement. There's things that begin to happen. There's resentment that begins to happen because the person that was supposed to bring something didn't bring it because the person that said they'd be there is not there. And when one part of the body suffers and when we're displaced from the body, we compensate. But we confuse this, guys. We confuse this. And, and we, we look at our place in the church and we think that our, the only place, that the only way to have a place in the church is through a position. And let me tell you, a position is not a place. Don't confuse a prominent position with a place. Many people sacrifice their destiny at the altar of having a position. Because they wouldn't embrace the place that God gave them. The place that you find yourself at right now. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you don't like what's going on at work. But have you ever stopped and thought about, maybe God has me in this place that I don't like it. I don't necessarily enjoy the environment. I don't necessarily like what's going on. I don't like my employer. I don't like my employees. Whatever it may be. Have you ever thought that just maybe God has you in that place for a reason? And sometimes we leave places that God wants us to be at because there's a season, there's a reason for us to be there without us fulfilling the destiny that we have there. God sets you in a church. And you know when God sets you in a church. And God sets you in a church, but then there comes a job offer across the state and the money is great and, and all this. And then you're, you're trying to decide and you know what, I'm going to go for the money even though God gave me this wonderful church and see ya. And you find yourself out of place. You can leave your place chasing a career or a calling. For example, David, the Bible's Tells us about David that the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's family and tells Jesse, bring your kids out. Bring all your boys out because out of those boys, God has chosen a king for Israel. And Jesse brings out all his kids. And as Samuel is going through the line, I can just imagine them all lined up at attention. And, oh, man, one of us is going to be the king. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they didn't know exactly what was going on, but the prophet was there. And they're all at attention. And as Samuel is going, and he's looking at the young man, he says, surely this must be the Lord's chosen. Look at how tall and how handsome he is. And God told him, no, that's not the one. He goes to the next one. Surely this must be it. This one must be it. No. And he goes on through the whole line, uh, the whole, all the kids. And none of the kids that are present are the ones that are to be chosen. And Samuel tells Jesse, hey, Jesse, is that all you got? Are these all your kids? Jesse says, well, yeah, there's one more. But he's busy. He's tending to the sheep. David was not searching for a position. He was in his place. That God called him. And while he was in his place, he had to fight off a bear. 
While he was in his place, he had to fight off a lion to save his sheep. And later on, we see how God used those experiences in his life to mold his character, to build him. Even though he didn't, maybe he didn't like it. I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't like facing a bear or a lion. But he used that experience that he was obedient to his dad. He was obedient to God's calling in his life at that moment. He wasn't after a kingship. He wasn't after a position. He was where he needed to be. The Bible says that David was called in. Immediately the spirit of the Lord comes upon Samuel. That's my chosen one. Samuel grabs the oil, anoints his head, prays over him, declares a blessing over his life. And guess what David went to do after that? Did he go? He went to go party at Dave and Buster's? Did he throw a great celebration because now he's going to be the king? He went back to his place with the sheep. He was in his place. Let's think about Moses. Moses was 50 years old. Old, he was sitting, uh, taking care of also another sheep herder, and he was taking care of his flock. And once again, now he's getting older, he's probably thinking, what in the world happened to my life? I was in the king's palace, I made a bad decision, I had to run away, and I find myself in the middle of this lifestyle. And one day as he was in the place that he needed to be, so his heart could be softened. The Bible says that there was a bush that was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses was intrigued. He was like, what is this? Let me go look at what's going on here because this is not an everyday occurrence. Just like when the eclipse happened, right? We're all outside with our glasses. And some of you guys look without the proper stuff. You know you did. Shame on you. And you're trying to see it and you're shielding it and you're trying to take a picture. And Moses is like, let me, let me go take a look at this. This is something strange. There's a bush on fire, but yet it's not on fire. This is not an everyday thing, and that as he approached the bush, God calls his name. But imagine if Moses wasn't in his place. What if one day he decided, man, I'm tired of living like this. I'm going to leave my father-in-law's house. I'm tired of living at my father-in-law's house. This is it. I'm done with this. I'm I'm leaving. I'm giving up. I'm going to go just chase after my dreams. No, he was in the place that God needed him to be so that he could be called. Where you find yourself today is not a surprise to God. Don't go chasing after positions without seeking God's will first in your life. Seek him first. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Those things you want. Clothing, homes, what to eat, what to drink. All these things will be added on to you. But our problem is, you can write this down too, we want a position without embracing our place. And that's when we get into trouble. We haven't learned what we needed to learn in this current stage of our lives. 
And we're stubborn. We are, we're impatient. We want to move forward. We want to advance. We want to be promoted. We want that corner office. We want, to, we want to be whatever it is that we feel that God is calling us to be. And we want to get there immediately. David went back to tend to the sheep. You guys remember this? I preached this about a year ago. He went back to tend to the sheep. Let me tell you, church, God has a process for your place. God is preparing you for what he has prepared you for. He's doing a work through you, in you. You're developing strength and courage. You're developing patience. Tell your neighbor, I, I, I need more patience. If it didn't work with that one, turn to the other one and say, I need more patience. <laughs> I need God is developing something inside of you. God is taking an insecure person, an unnamed person, an unwanted person. God is taking an unqualified person and he's molding him. He's developing. He's developing her. He's, he's lifting her up. He's lifting him up to be a man or a woman of God. But in this process, there is no overnight success. It is all a process. And in the Bible, there's so many promises given to us. There are so many things God offers us. God will deliver his promise as long as you honor the process. You, you, you got to keep walking. Keep your place. Pastor, can I, can I help put up the chairs and, and, and get the chairs ready? What can I do? What can I do? Stay in your place. God sees that willing heart. That even in the smallest things, you can be faithful. And because you are faithful in those small things, God will open up the heavens upon you, your family. Sometimes... You have to be in a position you don't want to be to end up in the place where you're destined to be. I didn't want to be in the car crash. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't wake up that morning saying, you know, I hope I break my tailors today. Furthest thing from my mind. And even though it was a difficult time, I had never been let go from a job. I had never struggled in finding a job. I had never been uh, to the point where, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I, we had to get food stamps. We had to seek help because we weren't making it. It humbled me. But now I know that if I had not gone through that process, the blessings I've experienced in my life, the job God has given me now, this beautiful church that I get to stand before every week. I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for that. That was a part of my process. I'll be honest, there were moments I wanted to give up. My wife and I, we talked about it. You know what, let's just move. Let's be done with this. There's too many expectations on us. People believe this about us, and we, we have doubts in our own lives. We have doubts in our, in our minds, and we're struggling, and no one understands us, and we, we love those pity parties, don't we? Let's get out of here. But something within us told us God has a purpose. 
Even Jesus had his cross. What if Jesus had decided, you know what? I don't know. Daniel's, I don't know if he's worth it. Randy, I don't know if Randy's worth it. Paul, I don't know if Paul's worth it. What if Jesus had had that moment at Gethsemane? No. He said, because of love. And I know the destiny that they have. Not my will be done, Lord. Father, but your will be done. Yeah, I don't want to go through this. But it's not me. I'm going to stay in my place. If Jesus was able to stay in his place, how much more should you and I be true, be faithful, be consistent in the place that God has put us? See, the good news is that when God places you, you cannot be displaced or replaced. When God brings you to a place that you're supposed to be, it doesn't matter what your coworker thinks. It doesn't matter what rumors get started about you. If that is the place that God has put you, there's no devil, there's no demon in hell that can take you down because God is on your side. Jesus is fighting that battle for you. So if you are in that job that you don't really necessarily like, but they, they love you there. Your bosses love you. And you know what, Lord? What is my purpose here? What do you need me to do? Is there someone here I need to reach? Is there someone I need to tell them about you? Is there someone thinking about suicide? Uh, you know what? I noticed this person. He looks a little sad, a little depressed. Let me invite him to church this weekend. What does God have for you? See, the enemy can attempt to attack you, but if you're placed, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Imagine the powerful impact that City Church could have on the city of Frisco when we all find our place in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Those who have given their lives to God, those who have confessed that they're sinners, those that have repented of their sin, and when they ask Peter, well, what should we do? You need to repent. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you need to be filled with his Holy Spirit, and you need to live a life that chases after God. And those people that have accepted Jesus as their Savior, we become a part of the body of Christ. So I'm no longer alone. You and I, were together, man, all the time. We're part of the same family. Every one of us, we're part of this family. And when you hurt, I hurt. And when I hurt, you should hurt too. Because don't think that the pastor has it all together all the time. There's my, I have my moments. I pray for you. You guys should be praying for us. You should be praying for that person next to you because you know you have your moments. And the person, look. Is Jesus, is Jesus sitting next to you? No? Is that Jesus next to you? No. So they need prayer. 
They need prayer. Because when one suffers, we all suffer. Because we're a part of the same family. I'm going to ask you to stand.